hello, hello. Welcome back. We are your hosts, K and B. Uh, so we are two Asian American high school students, and we discuss all things Asian, including philosophy, intersectionality, spring rolls, and more. Um, so yeah, K, what are we talking about today? So today we'll be covering Asian portrayal in media. Um, it's a very interesting topic. We have two cases of discussion regarding how producers represent Asian culture and Asian Americans, and how consumers interpret this information. Oh, nice, nice. That sounds fascinating. So, what are yes. two case? What are yes. two case studies? Yeah. So, we're going to cover um, kind of the entertainment part of the media. So, how consumers um, see Asians and their portrayal in movies. Um, in um, we'll be mostly covering like movies and shows today. Mm-hmm. Instead of like books, um, but it kind of goes all across the board, of course. And second, um, the coronavirus pandemic, of course, um, we've really been under the spotlight. Um, po- perhaps not in the best way during this time. And I think, sure. yeah, we think that media is such a big part um, of that. Okay, so, well, yeah, get into it. Yes, we should. Um, Let's start with kind of the entertain, entertainment factor and category of media. Um, so I kind of want to start off the conversation with how we think about the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Ooh. So, yes. Um, yeah. Have you watched the movie? Yeah, I have. Um, I watched it when it first came out with some other friends after we took a math test. Oh, so wait. That's like the epitome yeah, of it. That's so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely hit the headlines when it came out. Even like before it came out, I'm pretty sure there was like a lot of hype around it. Yeah. And mm. there. I thought the expectations were like really high around it. So oh yeah, definitely. That was, that was a lot of stress to the director. Do you think it met up to those expectations? Hmm. I think. Well, not completely. Mm. Um. Cause, because. I mean, I think for any kind of like blockbuster or like new, um, like something new that's coming onto the scene, such as a movie with a cast, full cast of only Asian actors and actresses, yeah. because it's so new, there's bound mm-hmm. to be like criticism from both sides of the spectrum. Um, but I think it was like the overall tone of it, it was taken very positively. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I agree. I thought it was really, it was kind of like a rom-com. It was fluffy, like a K-drama, but in English. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they even had the, the evil mother. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's not, well, not like evil. She didn't give um, Constance Wu like money to stay away from her son, <laughs> but the vibe was definitely yeah, there. Yeah, she was like the supervillain rich mom um, mm-hmm. in control of everything. Yeah. Well, I haven't personally, I actually have not seen the movie because... Oh. Um, I, it, the genre itself is just not my thing, just not my thing. <laughs> You're not um, a rom-com thing? Well, I mean, like, rom-coms are fine, but then this whole, like, the whole trope and cliche of, like, the rich guy, mm. the rich family, and then, like, the plain girl. It That's really, fair. yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Yeah. But oh, I can well. definitely appreciate the, the representation. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, we wanted to talk about this a little bit. It did come out um, a couple of years ago, I think like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's obviously died down, but I think it's good to still talk about it because it's a good case study on how Asians are truly represented 
in maybe, multimedia. And maybe to get like a two years later perspective after everything that's happened. Oh be, yeah. Could be a, maybe a different perspective, whether it's more optimistic or pessimistic. Yeah, yeah. So I want to highlight what the kind of the praise and the criticism, like the yeah. main praise and the main criticism of this movie. Um, I think the main praise is obviously it's a full cast of yeah. Asians, and um, it was yeah, it was such uh, like almost rev- I don't want to say revolutionary, but it was the first in Hollywood sure. at least. So. Mm-hmm. And it's also, like, so recent that this happened, yeah. which is why I think it shocked a lot of people. Um, I think the criticism comes from, well, there are different subpoints to this, but, like, it comes from one, like, oh, not enough representation, like, Interesting. with, it's because there were only East Asian um, actors and actresses portrayed instead of, like, South Asian, or, um, or like, going on to the Middle Eastern um, part mm-hmm. of, yeah, yeah, so that was one um, criticism that I've heard. Um, are there like, others? Yeah. Because, like, it's hard enough to get an all-Asian cast, or even to have, like, an Asian main character, so, uh, like, one possible response to that criticism could be, like, maybe it's expecting too much, like, it's a step in the right direction, and maybe that's all we can expect from yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. I I also think we should frame it a little differently instead of saying like, oh, this is all we can expect. Obviously, it is definitely like a step in the right direction. And I think baby steps is the right way to go. Obviously, in such a big industry, you can't completely change things and turn on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a common um, rebuttal to that criticism. Um, I want to focus on this Prince. So I was reading there at, at Princeton University. There, the Ooh. newspaper is called the Daily Princetonian. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was um, this student. Her name is Haley Siegel. I think she recently graduated this year, actually. Um, and she wrote an article criticizing this um, this movie and another <laughs> Princeton student she refuted and responded to her article. So um, so the respondent, her name is Dora Zhao. I want to be quoting a couple parts of what she said in her article. Mm-hmm. So what Haley Siegel was criticizing was that the movie was too, quote unquote, too Asian. Um, and she suggested that instead of having race play a central role in a character, a racially blind approach would signify real progress for the Asian American community. Oh. Yes. Oh, that's some hot tea between two <laughs> Ivy Leagues. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Right? What are your oh, thoughts man. on oh, that man. statement? I'm still trying to figure that out for myself, because on the one hand, Asian actors have been, actors and actresses have been undershined for a long time, but it also makes sense in some way that maybe we're taking identity politics too much. I mean, America is kind of the only country that focuses on race and gender and other stuff to like such an extreme degree. I don't think mm-hmm. other countries focus on it as yeah. much, but, hmm, oh, that's a hard topic. Yeah, um. so Dora Zhao, she definitely validated and said, oh, Siegel's concern is very real. 
Um, but she responded it by saying that this racially neutral or racially blind approach would be an example of superficial representation because mm -hmm. it creates, well, she says um, this is harmful because it creates the illusion that racial domination is no longer a problem. While having Asian actors in movies is important, having bodies for the sake of filling a diversity quota is not enough. The stories must Ooh. be included too. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. I feel like with a lot of people, all of the intellectuals, their like diagnosis of the world is so profound and correct. But then, <laughs> right? but then they're like a race blind approach, and I'm just like, nah, girl, you can't. Like the problem with the race blind approach is that everything in the systems is like structured to um, have a predilection for you know like white people. So if we try to have a race blind approach, I mean, I think it we underestimate how little free will we have and how much our decisions are like also caused by external biases and stuff so a race-blind approach would just end up being like a white cast and some asian members but mostly not yeah that i think that's such a good point that you make because i i do tend to agree with what dora Zhao has said in this article um because although this is not crazy rich asians is not the best story to tell for <laughs> asian representation because I think it also feeds into the, like, the model minority because it views um, Asian people as being like rich and it's yeah. like normalized that they're so rich. They're like filthy rich, right? Mm -hmm. um, at least the, the guy and his family. Like I've seen like scenes where it's Nick like this- Young. Nick Young. <laughs> right? He's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like they have this huge ass, oh, like huge ass mansion and like so much like glitz and glamour. So mm -hmm. it one, on one hand, I, I do think that there could have been better stories to tell, but at the same time, I still think it's a valid approach because Constance Wu, I, I don't remember her character's name, but <laughs> she was kind of this like plain and basic girl who just yeah, stepped in fair. and she was like, what is going on? I mean, that's I- That's so fair. Yeah, I do believe that we should really um, switch, or not switch up, but um, look into that perspective more, like what Constance, okay, when I'm saying Constance, it means this character, um, mm. that plain character, into their story a little more than like this whole like rich or wealthy lifestyle. But nevertheless, it is a, still, as you said, uh, V, um, a step in the right direction. Yeah. So, Have you watched... There's like a Harper's Bazaar video on Crazy Rich Asians. Have you watched it? Oh, was it the um, like different like the... Asian celebrities at I Fashion so. Week? Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that there are actually millionaire or no, that they have to be like billionaire Asians, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They were all I like don't... celebrities. Oh yeah, for sure. It was like the movie and their lifestyles were like the highest of the high end for for travel, for food, mansions decor everything it was like it was so lavish and excessive that it seems like the kind of fantasy that you want to be able to insert yourself into for a period of time which is why i think like the character constance plays is so bland because it's easy for us to insert ourselves into her and imagine that we might have a nick young in our lives yes yes exactly and i think at some point this fantasy especially if it's so pushed by media and mm -hmm it becomes very harmful because that is not the reality for so many Asians. Yet, 
so many other POC, not a part of the Asian community, will consume this thinking that a lot of Asians can achieve this status in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the movie, maybe if it wanted to have more class commentary, it should have mentioned something that like, uh, what's your name? Nick Young's mother, Eleanor's success, the success of all of these high-end people is also predicated on a lot of exploitation for like oh, regular laborers. Yes, yes. Usually like more brown Asians, so maybe Filipinos and Indians, something. But like the movie just emphasized all this wealth without showing what needed to happen to make this wealth look the way that it is. Oh, definitely, and, yeah. Yeah, it just paints this fantasy. Yeah, it was just... really like <laughs> surface layer. Um, but I think, yeah, this was a really good discussion on like our viewpoints for um, the Crazy Rich Asians and how Hollywood and like other smaller like directors and producers can start thinking about this issue. Um, we also have another example with Parasite. I don't want to talk too much about this because I do want to get to the corona stuff, but mm -hmm. when Parasite completely dominated the Oscars, like I remember seeing tweets mm -hmm. that were super, <laughs> like it was crazy on Twitter. Like there were people <laughs> who were praising, they were like, oh my gosh, Pong Juno, um, which by those of you who don't know, Pong Juno is the director of Parasite. Like, oh my gosh, he's so awesome, he's so cool, he deserves all this. And then there were some people saying, there were some people who just like really did not like the idea of a foreign film winning Oscars. <laughs> like, yeah, um, thoughts? I, I just did not understand like the extent of the xenophobia that some people had. Like, it's a movie, it's a fun watch, the characters are attractive, they're funny, <laughs> it's a nice house, what's not to like about it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think that like, hmm. There's something about Parasite, because, like, sure, if it was an American movie, it might be identified as, oh, this this grasping social satire, something <laughs> like that. But instead, it's, like, transfigured into Parasite, the first South Korean film to win an American award. Uh, and I feel like this movie suddenly is transformed into almost a parable of just, like, diversity. And people mm. are like, oh, yeah, diversity, rather than, oh, this is a film about class commentary. And, um, I don't know blurred binary, something like that. Yeah. And it's important to acknowledge that you, there's a reason it did win the Oscars. That's because it's a great film. And I feel like that should still come first. Yeah. Um, obviously, V knows about Parasite a lot more than I do. She actually wrote an entire essay about this. And was oh. it Get Out? Oh, with, my. Yeah. In conjunction with Get Out? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she's very, very knowledgeable <laughs> on this topic. <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> it, you. Yeah, um, but what she's saying is very real. I also think it's kind of ironic that Parasite, a movie that criticizes capitalism and class, mm -hmm. um, won the Oscars, one of the, Ooh. like... Listen! <laughs> one of the, like, concentrated, like, wealth... Or, how do I describe this? It's, like, one of the most... It's an award ceremony that is meant for wealthy actors and big-named, yeah, oh. big-named producers and directors and people, which is, oh. yeah. That's such a good observation. And that, like, asks the question of, is the film being co-opted or commodified by Hollywood? Or maybe it's, like, some subversive movie that infiltrates Hollywood and is able to change it for the better. Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. 
he. I, yeah, they're, this is like the big question. I feel like not a lot of people understand. Um, and it's so like a lot of like people take one side or the other, right? I, I still don't know. Like you have one side where it's like we infiltrate this um, and rupture this this space, this system from the inside out. And these people are usually like pro reform, pro representation, um, yeah. and then there's the other side of like no, like this is just co-opting, and um, therefore we need to like abolish it all and dismantle mm-hmm. it all. Um, like dismantle the entire system. Yeah, I think a lot of people mm. tend to tend to sway that side if they are on the side of um, this is co-opting. That's like very radical leftist politics. But yes. I mean, I think like Bong Joon-ho never says that he's a communist or a socialist or anything. His claim at the end, oh, uh, should I give a spoiler alert? I'm going to say spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> so spoiler alert, skip like 20 seconds or whatever. Um, at the end, all the characters, they just change their places, but the system is still intact. All of the characters are just left really scarred and by the system, but the system is still intact, which means that I think Bong Joon-ho's criticism is that, or commentary is that it's inevitable. Sure, we can break it down in small ways. Maybe the act of making a movie is subversive, but there's nothing we can do to the system at large. Yeah, that's definitely a pessimistic point of view. And in that Mm -hmm. case, I wouldn't... If it is, like, what he said and his view, perspective, in making this movie, then I definitely don't see it as much of an irony if it Mm -hmm. did dominate the Oscars. But yeah, that's a a really good point. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so... And talking about that, let's segue into our second case um, and topic of discussion, which is Asian portrayal during this pandemic. Would you like Ooh, to start? I mean, not woohoo. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but there's yeah. a lot to discuss and a lot to unpack. Um, would you like to start? Okay, sure, sure, sure. So, Asian portrayal during COVID-19. It's not, to be honest, it's like something that was expected for most people that are familiar with like the history of Asian people. Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. During the SARS outbreak in 2003, the same thing happened because it originated from China and people, there was a lot of anti-Chinese sentiment again. But this sentiment is like, it's not just in America. I mean, in Japan, there was the hashtag on Twitter of like, Chinese don't come to Japan trending. There was like yellow alert in France um, and in Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand. Oh God. Um, There was like a nail shop and it was written in flowery handwriting and it was like no Chinese allowed Thank you for understanding (laughs) something like that. And I was like, wow, if you're gonna be racist. Don't write it in flowery language Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy Um, Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, it's really interesting because you would think that I mean, we're already aware of like horizontal prejudice and the pitting against different minority groups Mm -hmm. different like sectors and races um, of minorities but then it's also like even within the Asian community which is also very disheartening to see Mm -hmm. so like in the face of a crisis that is probably over glorified a bit or maybe not glorified but overhyped by media to whatever extent it is people are willing to do anything for their to do like what they think is preserving themselves yeah Um, I want to touch on what you said, the the example with this woman writing in like the flowery language, <laughs> like this isn't unique to that one example, right? Like, yeah, there I've seen like pictures of like people on Twitter or like 
um, different restaurants or stores posting that even in America or like saying, oh, I don't want to buy Chinese food or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I often see like a lot of those people. So this is like a lot of even a lot of those people will glorify and praise restaurants when they decide that they won't take people who don't wear masks. So recently on Twitter, yeah. there's this viral thread where this restaurant posted something like, if, oh, if you're not wearing a mask, then like you can't come in. Like we're not going to serve you. And people okay. were like, yes, snaps. Um, they're doing, they're doing this right. Um, I just see the hypocrisy between this and like, I'm not saying which side is right and which side yeah. is wrong. But I'm saying mm-hmm. that it's so blatantly hypocritical that people will praise these restaurants for not for, I guess this is technically excluding people who, do, mm-hmm. who don't want to wear a mask. Um, and, but then turn around and say stuff like, oh, I, I want to stay away from eating Chinese food or mm. um, not saying anything when it comes to like riots in Chinatown. Like that has been so undercovered as well. Um, Riots in Chinatown? Yeah, especially... um, I didn't know know that was a thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there were a lot of... So when this whole Black Lives Matter movement started, there were a lot of rioters, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And they went ham. And then it it, it really, like, bled into these other spaces that I think should have been left untouched. Oh, Um, wait, when you said said they went ham, do you mean, like, rioters attacked Chinese restaurants and stuff or as in like Chinese people or Chinatown people also started rioting? Um, I, I don't know any specific cases, um, nor have I read anything about like, like Chinese people or like people from Chinatown rioting. It was more so that rioters in general were starting to like loot and destroy property, which of course that's another conversation, but then Mm. there were many like, um, I was reading somewhere that they, they, they'd be um, a Chinese store or store owner, um, oh. and she was an elderly woman. That's terrible. Yeah, I think it was in Flushing. Um, obviously, I do have to fact check, but this is not the only case, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's so scary. Um, yeah, I just and like yeah yeah on a smaller level. This is not to the extent of physical violence, but I remember on subtle Asian traits on Facebook. This was such a sad story. There was like an elderly couple running some Chinese bakery and they sold egg tarts and other delicacies and stuff. And they were, they had like no customers ever. So there's this one guy who went in and like bought a lot of food and they were so grateful because they had not made money that entire week. And it's just really heartbreaking to see all these, like a lot of these local businesses run by families just going bankrupt. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're doing their best which also hurts as well, because I also saw on Twitter, this person posted, um, I think, the, a text, like a text screenshot with like a Chinese restaurant owner okay. um, saying that they were like promoting like takeout from their restaurant. Um, and they said that, oh, we are making sure to um, keep our restaurant clean and we're disinfecting all of our um our workers and stuff like that, adding that extra layer of like precaution that a lot of other yeah. restaurants that are like white owned um, mm-hmm. don't do. And so, yeah, yeah I think, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no, no, finish your thought. Yeah, like it's they're doing extra work, 
in order to make it palpable for people to start even like remotely viewing them as more like people instead of this like virus abstract concept yeah um, since do you think that since asian americans are being targeted by discrimination on the basis of the virus more do you think they would be better at social distancing and following health guidelines from that like asian people or yeah just like in general so i know that my parents we're part of this like Chinese circle in uh, our community and they heard about Wuhan most likely before like American politics and American media first started talking about it a lot so they yeah. heard about it first on Wuhan they were probably the first to arm themselves with like rice bags at H Mart <laughs> um, I know my dad was like buying masks even in January before mm. it had gotten to America yeah yeah what yeah do you think? I remember, I, re- I, I remember you, like, bringing masks to school and stuff. <laughs> um, I think... What school? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. I never <laughs> want to go back to that place. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's hard to say if, if Asian Americans are, quote-unquote, better at social distancing due to the stigma that exists um, about them. Mm-hmm. But I think they're more aware of it, at least. Yeah, um, that makes sense. It's also just like culturally embedded, I think, and normalized in Asian cultures to wear masks oh, like yeah. on a daily yeah, basis. That's fair. So I think to a certain extent, they just take precaution without thinking too much of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also definitely something that's like on a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Um, there was this site called like Navigator or something that got 25,000 votes, a couple hundred were Asian, and it said Asian Americans express high anxieties the highest anxieties about um, the health impacts and report the highest levels of practicing social distancing. So obviously that's only like a couple hundred people, which is probably not enough, but it's still statistically significant. I'm wondering if that's like because of the discrimination or maybe because like our communities tend to prioritize the collective rather than the individual or wearing or culturally because we wear masks more or something along those lines. Yeah, Um, I think it, I mean, I do think, although I did say, like, to a certain extent, like, they're just doing this because it is normalized in their culture, like, there Mm -hmm. is still, like, anxiety that exists, right? Like, um, I also read on Next Shark, let me pull it up, there was a statistic that they mentioned that in California, um, like, 63% of, like, Asian Americans feel... Um, feel feel fear. Oh yeah, sixty eight percent of Asian Americans in California now fear they are targets of racism. Um, surveys reveal. Yeah, it's also so, mm-hmm. the media as well. I mean, our president is kind of um, kung flu and Chinese virus. Like, really? I mean, sure, the pun maybe there. But <laughs> oh just... my god! <laughs> I like puns. Yeah. But not not in this instance. So I was wondering, do you think like, like whose fault is it more on? Is it the media and our public figures for being dicks? <laughs> or, um, maybe it's in, in like the people or the citizens for believing it. Oh, that's oh. a good point. Mm. America is known to be stupid. <laughs> that is very fair. So, in that sense, it is, unfortunately, the role of the educator to stand mm-hmm. up in that. Because 
the thing is, I think a lot of Americans, especially white Americans, are just ignorant. They 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 Period. lack <laughs> they lack the knowledge, or they just don't even know that this exists. So in that case, it is the role of the educator, almost、mm-hmm. I guess. Of course,、yeah. these these ignorant people have to stay open minded, but like, And, yeah, especially if you're the president, then then <laughs> your your impact matters. Like, sorry, but、yeah. that's the facts. <laughs> like facts, like you're everywhere. <laughs>、um, you have to you have to be mindful of what you speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah,、mm, I wanted to go back to the point you made about like some restaurants rejecting people who did not wear masks.、Mm-hmm. So I think I can understand your point that like oh both are forms and compared to like restaurants that say no Chinese or no Asians,、yeah. I think that you have a point about like um ah、uh, my train of thought. Oh yeah, so I think you do make a good point that like oh both are both are excluding people, but like. In my personal opinion, I think that it is wrong to say to exclude Asian people, but not wrong to exclude like people who don't wear masks. And I, I personally think that that's just like correct. But obviously, that's my subjective feelings.、Mm-hmm. And it's like, like maybe some exclusions aren't always bad.、Mm. Do you、yeah. feel the tangent that I'm on? I do feel it. Oh wait, by the way, I apologize.、Um, someone is like. Mowing their lawn right now, so it's a bit loud in the background. But ignore that. Yeah.、Um, yeah. Anyway, back to back to what you're saying. I do understand、um, what you say because this does go a little bit off topic. But do you remember this? The Supreme Court case of the gay couple and the wedding cake. Um. um so. Well, I heard about it. Yeah. What was, what was the decision? Um. The decision went to the baker. Oh. So. This was a context. I don't think a lot of people know know the full backstory, and they're so quick to jump on like a side. But this baker is a Christian. Okay.、Um, they they are a Christian, and they they own a bakery. This gay couple comes in. We want a cake. The reason why the baker disagreed to bake this cake was because、um, they said it goes against their beliefs to. So I think the gay couple, the gay couple specifically,、uh, requested to have like the figurines,、um, you know, like the wedding, like little figurines that go on top of the cake. They wanted two、mm-hmm. men, which would represent them, and the baker was like, "No, that goes against my beliefs." I'm pretty. He, but the problem was that the baker was open to doing anything else, but that.、Mm-hmm. Um, so when I read, like. I guess to a certain extent, it is somewhat reasonable that the Supreme Court case ruled in favor of the baker. So,、mm-hmm. of course, this 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 was like a huge flame war、yeah. <laughs> on, on Twitter, on like social media everywhere. Sounds like it. So, I'm also just very, like, is this would this be an all or nothing issue or? Certain exceptions are a necessary issue because, it, like, if I owned a restaurant, would I be comfortable serving neo Nazis in my restaurant? And、mm. do I want to exclude them? Perhaps,、yeah. perhaps I would want to. Like, perhaps I do not feel comfortable doing that.、Mm-hmm. Um, but but like, or, if a neo Nazi, or sorry, but like, let's say that you run a tattoo shop. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, so if a if a person who self identifies who who is a neo Nazi, but you may or may not know that, comes in and asks for like, I don't know, a peace sign or a Cree tattoo, do you think you would serve them? Oh. But then I wouldn't know if they're a neo-Nazi. Well, okay, mm. let's pretend that neo-Nazi already has some kind of like no, no like a distinguishable neo-Nazi like mm-hmm. tattoo on them. Yeah. Like perhaps, um, and then they're like, I want a tree. I would, I would say no. So, because it goes against what I think. Yeah, I would say no. Um, I had a huge debate about this with a friend a couple of years ago when this when this case ruling came out because because um, they thought it was like an all or nothing issue, right? Like right. you either serve everyone or you just don't. Um, and I was like, I think certain exceptions are necessary. So like the people who were like, no, the baker is totally in the wrong. Like you should he should have like served and baked a wedding cake for this couple. But then jump on the train and say. It's okay if you exclude people who refuse to wear masks. I also do find it a little, like the irony in that somewhat. Mm-hmm. I haven't made a complete decision on like what I believe, to be honest. I think it's a very yeah. complex issue. Um, it's just like the idea of what is considered a real and viable threat is, it's just always changing. I mean, mm-hmm. like even during the SARS outbreak, people thought it was a real and viable threat to them. Even during like, exclusion acts before people thought that there was a risk to themselves and like mm-hmm. at the end of it both sides of the spectrum people who reject asian customers people who reject um people with masks they do it because of the same value system like they want to protect themselves they think they're ensuring the safety of whoever's in the restaurant or whatever yeah but it's a question of how it manifests or like yeah. how they go about implementing it yeah definitely Whoa. so that was a really nice tangent um on <laughs> on um i don't even know what to call this but this whole issue between Mm -hmm. like like are exceptions to exclusionary acts necessary at some points or not but yeah yeah. um i want to move on just really quickly onto something and then we can end the episode um but also kind of like how in newspapers news articles um Asian people, oh yeah, um, you um, wrote oh. this down, how, okay. in, yeah, I also saw the article where it was like, mm-hmm. something talking about New York and how um, COVID is um, spreading to these urban areas, and it was a picture of a Chinese, or not, maybe it wasn't, I thought it was in China, or someone said it, mm. this was, I think it was in Chinatown, but like, it was talking about a bunch of Jewish people, I think, or white people, just white people, who had contracted the virus in the New York area, but the picture was all Asian people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you were saying? Yeah, and it's like, of course you had to use an Asian person. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. Like, of course, like, you know, at this point, sometimes, I mean, it's sad, I guess, but mm-hmm. we're not surprised anymore, and I guess that's what really makes this whole situation so disappointing like even for my parents they just they don't even think about it they just say like oh if we do x action if we don't like wear a mask out then people are going to see that we're asian they're they're not they're going to try to stay away from us and yeah 
Yeah, my mom was that. saying that. And Ooh. I definitely, your, your parents probably also have like experience, like similar kind of sentiments. Yeah, there's so much mental energy that just goes into positioning yourself and trying to make sure people don't take you insincerely. Do you hear the lawnmower behind me? No, no, but I also have a lawnmower in my background. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess perfect day to garden. So I think this is a pretty good spot. Yes, I think this is a really good way to end the discussion. It was a really good conversation on media and how we're portrayed. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.